Good evening, Patriots. And it is Sunday already. Man, it goes, the weekends always go so fast. Sunday, August 20th in the year 2023. <clears throat> At least we hope so. I'll tell you, maybe we don't hope so. It's a crazy world right now. Fires everywhere. The whole valley where I'm at right now, smoke-filled. There's fires about 60 miles north and three huge fires up north of me. And then uh, everybody's on fire alert down here, which is no surprise because all of a sudden we're at a super dry point. Not that chemtrails would ever have anything to do with that. And we're just all kind of sitting here keeping our fingers crossed that we don't get another big forest fire like we had back in 2020. But Canada is basically on fire. And that seems to be the demonstration point for everybody. And I don't find it missed that as we're seeing people awakening and um, countries trying to break from the dollar, that all of these fires are breaking out. And I think that one of the things that is confusing to people is that the fires are happening on the west and not happening as much in the east. However, there's tons of fires down in Africa. So if you kind of look at a global map, you're just going to see fires everywhere. And a lot of that, I'm pretty sure, in my opinion, I'll say it that way, I've kind of come to the conclusion that a lot of this is to remind, is a threat basically to leadership in the world and at the same time promoting fear amongst the people that if you continue to not comply that we're going to just burn you to the ground. So I just say, well, bring it. We, we're going to talk a lot about that in the context of faith here tonight, which I think is really important. Before we get going, our favorite guy, Mike Lindell, you got to remind us of a free offer and all the great things that he brings to the Patriot Movement, and he's giving a big thank you back to everybody. Here we go. Over the last 20 years, with all your support, we've been able to not only launch the original My Pillow, but also the My Pillow mattress topper, Giza Dream bed sheets, My Slippers, and the My Pillow bath towels. But there's so much more. In fact, we have over 200 products, and I'm so confident that you'll love each and every one of them that when you go to mypillow.com now, you'll immediately receive a free gift valued at $20. Just for checking out the website, no purchase necessary. Get everything from my pillow blankets, sleepwear, kitchen towels, mattresses, duvets, pet beds, body pillows, comforters, couch pillows, bathrobes, and so much more. So go to mypillow.com or call the number on your screen. Use your promo code to get deep discounts on all my pillow products. And remember, just for checking out mypillow.com, you'll immediately receive a free gift valued at $20. No purchase necessary. This is a limited time promotion, so go to MyPillow.com now. Yeah, head over there to MyPillow.com forward slash Bards. Use your promo code Bards, like always. They do have this free offer. It doesn't take anything. I think you just have to put in your email address or something like that. And it's a $20 free gift, whatever that is. And um, take advantage of it. It's awesome. I just ordered some of their kitchen towels. We needed some up at the other property, and I ordered some for my mom. She loves them. I always, I, that's all, it's like the mom the the mom scale, you know, if, if mom likes them and like you know, if mom says, oh, thank you and doesn't use them, you know, that's like probably not a good gift. But if mom likes them and then uses them, then you're like, there's the endorsement right there. So they are mom endorsed. That's what I say. So get some of those kitchen towels, give them to your mom. She'll love them. And then, and then you'll know that when you use them, then you'll be like, I'm using a mom-endorsed product. So it's all good stuff. But the kitchen towels are the latest, greatest thing at MyPillow. 
check them out. And of course, promo code BARDS gives you some great discounts and all of that. So it's all good. Mom approved. I wanted to say, you know, how great of a group we have here. I've been getting some amazing emails, great testimonies. And for all of those out there that have bared your just testimony to me on porn addictions, I really owe you an apology. We are, I'm getting caught up. It's been a lot of those coming in. So I'm a little bit behind trying to get all that caught up tonight. I said it was going to be done like a week ago, but it just continues to pour in. So just bear with me and I'm, you're going to get time scheduled. I'd like to schedule about an hour to hour and a half for a call. And uh, I, I take it very seriously. So, and we've had some great results and I'm really proud of the people that have called and we've worked together on it. It's pretty amazing. So don't get discouraged. And I'm really going to try to get those out to you tonight. It's just been some really long days lately. And I just, you know, I hope everybody's listening that su- submitted that. So you're not like, what's, what's he doing? Well, <laughs> we're fighting the cabal and saving the world. That's what we're doing. It's all good. So really, really good. Um, you know, I, I'm my my Sunday nights, and I'm just going to make this like I like to make it, which is kind of a casual talk, and just see where the Holy Spirit leads us. And I want to kind of just springboard off of Saturday because Saturday was a really powerful entry prayer. And if you didn't get a chance to hear, I think it's like in the first 20 minutes of our Saturday morning prayer show. And I, I'm just, um, it was, it's really stuck with me heavily, and it's not in a I mean, in only a positive way. We're, we're literally looking at massive sections of Canada being melted away in fire. And I live in a region where I've already suffered through some of this uh, global warming, climate change, spontaneous 120 fires overnight garbage, which we know is not the case. And I think the world is having a hard time processing that the governments can be this evil. So we know that they are. And it's even more so when we look at the horrors that have come out of Lahaina. And the more that we get out of Lahaina, which is increasingly difficult, by the way, um, because what's going on in Lahaina, they've now completely locked down all the information coming out. We, but it's, again, it's just taking more and more diligence to dig in. And what has come out of Lahaina is more and more evidence, even in government policies, government-approved contracts of the use of directed energy weapons. And it's not like it's a mystery. I mean, it's it's there. The technology has been there for years. When I was in, I'm trying to think back, when I was in eighth grade, so that puts, that's three, that'd be 79. I did a, my science project was on lasers. And as part of that, um, I was showing the U.S. Air, I was, I had ex- examples of lasers in use, and part of that was the U.S. Airborne Laser System, mounted on the front of a C. I want to say it's a. I want to say a C-130, but I don't think it was a C-130, like a C-121 or something. But anyway, my point is, this is not new technology, but the problem is that they keep throwing this Star Wars type idea out and telling you that it's a, it's some future thing, and they don't have the power resources to do it, and. They keep tr- distracting people. Look, they've had this technology for years. If you followed the development of the F-35, what you discovered was that they had designed that aircraft to be a vertical takeoff and landing aircraft. And once it was brought into service, 
there was two options. There was actually three versions made. There was an Air Force version made. There was a short takeoff and landing version for the Navy made. And then there was a Marine version made. And the Marine version was the vertical takeoff and landing F-35 that was also to replace the Harrier um, A-1, Harrier A-1B or whatever it is. It's the second version. It was a British-made aircraft. But they needed extra power to be able to, to use the vertical and takeoff and landing version. And so when they didn't have that VTOL vertical takeoff and landing version, they had excess power. And it was the minute that they approved that aircraft, they announced very quietly that the other power will now be sufficient to run airborne laser platforms. So laser, directed energy, there's a combination of things because they can do microwave, they can do lasers, they can do a variety of lasers. I think there's another thing called a maser. So all I say this is if, if you're one of those that's in the camp, it's like, I'm not sure that this is a lot of stuff. Maui might have been natural. If you consider Lahaina a natural fire, that everything is natural, I'm gonna. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go out and I want you to take a, piece, a rolled up piece of newspaper, and I want you to put it next to a metal wheel, and I want you to stand there and hold that and build a little paper fire right next to a wheel, and tell me when that wheel melts. Just saying, you're gonna be there a long time, like a long time. It'll get scorched, but it's not gonna melt. That's the whole point. There's so much craziness going over on the Heine, and they still don't have a body count. It's very confusing because people have been dispersed out. And the, the most tragic part of all of this, frankly, is that people have been displaced and they don't have, um, they honestly don't even have places to live right now. It's, it's, it's sad and it's just, it's very real. And this is part of their game to try to punish people that don't agree to the complete and total buyout the way they want it. So that's just something to keep in mind. And something to realize that we are dealing with absolute flipping criminals. And it's to that point and why I wanted to bring this up. Because why I brought up the, the prayer at the beginning of Saturday. I was really compelled Saturday to, um, to lead a prayer. And this is just as, as Father led to ask that we restore the land in healing. And I, I really thought a lot about that over the weekend. As I look around at you know the beautiful country here, I, I, I truly love where I live. I, I will tell you honestly, I loved it a whole bunch more before they burned down some of the most sacred old growth forests. And that was in 2020. I, it doesn't mean I don't love my county, I don't love the forest, but it, that was a real heart-wrenching moment to lose a part of the land that you hiked on, you hunted in. And there's a real stewardship and pride that people take in that. And this is one of the greatest lies ever put forth to society, that somehow these soybean, grass-eating liberals that live in cities understand how to manage the world better than those that work the land. And somehow if you're an activist for environmentalism, you understand the true sense of stewardship better than those that hunt in it, those that live and hike in it, those that work the land, better than a forester, better than a, a, a lumberjack, any of these things. These people in the cities, and it is the problem, the people in the cities, 
live in a world of convenience. And it's a decadent problem that we have in, in the Western world. And unfortunately, with that comes when we start to get into a world of convenience. And I, I can't tell you the exact correlation, but as life in the material world becomes easier and more and more convenient, the one thing that goes very quickly is the root in faith. And it's sad. And when you stop when you stop having a connection to the land and using your hands and being around animals and doing the things that you do, you start to think in, you just kind of walk in a, in a desert and you start to live your life looking forward to your next latte and your, your skinny vanilla twist, whatever they do, double quad shot decaf. By the way, decaf should be illegal. If it was my country, anybody that drank decaf on a regular basis, I'm sorry if you drink decaf, but I'd have to tell you, I'd have to, we'd have to give you like a, a, a special place to go because you couldn't be part of main society because that would be illegal in any kingdom that I would rule. Coffee is, is too sacred and decaf is too fake. So you'd, you'd have to, I don't know, we'd have to do something about that. Like tell you that, I, you know what we'd do? We would, we would set up a, and we would set up a reform school and we would, we'd take you through the process of very lovingly, but we'd have to deprogram you and get you to understand that if you're going to drink coffee, it has to be caffeinated and then just tell you, sorry, you know, that's the way it goes. But you have to have caffeine. Who drinks? Who wastes the time? And anyway, it's such a joke. Anyway, if you've ever studied decaf, like there's really isn't decaf. Some of those decafs even have more caffeine than the others, but they tell you it's decaf. It's like everything else, you know. It's like this garbage that they're spraying on. I, I'm drawing a blank right now on the name of it. They're, this stuff that they're spraying on vegetables right now to preserve them till the end of time. And it's this thing built by Bill Gates. And it's it's got all sorts of horrible things in it, like benzene. I don't know if you've, I've used benzene. We had to use it, as, it was part of a, a substance we used for sealing um, outdoor pavers when I was doing my, I had my construction company. And I remember this product that we bought and I didn't realize it had benzene in it. And that the client that we were working for, we did this huge, beautiful patio for them, beautiful um, interlocking, pavers and uh, I'd built a really beautiful pool house for them and so the final piece is we had to seal the pavers and the client was very sensitive to chemical smells and I put the stuff on and I didn't realize it was benzene and the next thing I knew that the way that he had the just the way that the the things his ventilation system was working that day it sucked it right into the intake and it blew it all through the house and I mean, he was getting sick and I was like, oh my gosh. So we had to go down and get a special air purifier to stick into the house so he'd be okay. He was understanding. He wasn't upset, but it was just like, I missed the point of benzene. Benzene's nasty is my point. And now this stuff is approved to be used on organics. So if you think you're going to Whole Foods, you know, like you're one of those, it's like, I buy at Whole Foods because I am going to buy the best organic. You might want to check that one out. Because it's not true. I'm telling you right now. And Whole Foods is a joke. They just rape you on money to sell you garbage from China and call it organic. I don't know how they do that anyway. It's amazing. But anyway, it's that, so much of this stuff is a scam. And, and the point about this is we've got to get back to the principles of really working with our hands and putting our life into the land that we have. Yesterday was an awesome day. 
I, mean, I had a great weekend, but yesterday in particular, um, I had my, so it was, you know, yeah, it was Saturday. So we did the morning prayer and, and I did it from my studio in, in town. And while I was doing the morning prayer work, my parents went out in the garden and picked tomatoes. And this was, we've only picked probably half of our crop and we picked 55 pounds of tomatoes. Most of them are, are a uh, Amish paste tomato. And so 55 pounds of tomatoes. And then we went out after I finished the prayer, I went out and we picked 14 pounds of beautiful carrots and we picked about eight pounds of beets. And we, then we put them all together and then we came up to the other property, which is a much bigger kitchen, really suitable for canning. And it was the greatest day. I mean, and my parents and I talked about it. We spent the entire afternoon together, just like it was like old world, cutting, washing, prepping the tomatoes, cooking it down to make tomato paste, cutting the carrots. To, and I just actually just finished the carrots. I just finished eight quarts of pressure can about 15 minutes ago um, and put them in the pressure canner. And this is all the sort of things that I, these skills were known for years. And it's not like I don't know this, but it, you, you get reminded of all, another one of the great lies, which is, you know, preservation of food. Somehow the industries have the science on how to pressure, you know, how to preserve food. Or we, we get to believe that we need a freezer or a refrigerator for everything. Another big lie. And when you're doing this and you're in the process of pulling your own vegetables out, and I know you all know this, I'm just sharing this, at least you all should know this, you know, you're in the process where you have grown from seed all that's in your garden, and then you're taking the time now is the harvest time, and we're doing this with a very strategic plan to be able to not have to use, not have to buy anything this year for the grocery store. Now, mind you, this is a garden that's on an eight. I measured it out the other day, and I put that video up in um, in Telegram for people to see. That garden, which we have, I have about five fruit trees. And all the beds that I've built, including recapturing the back part of the property, which was just a slope, and we terraced it in that garden. There's still room to, to add some, some more stuff to it. But we are growing all the food we need for, for three of us out of all the fresh, fresh vegetables and fruits that we need for three of us in that space of less, just under, it, actually, it's one-sixth of an acre, one-sixth of an acre. So for someone to try to tell you that you need like a massive, huge garden to feed your family, not true. It has to do with your method and it has to do with the soil health and it has to do with maximizing space. And so it's really a, an awesome experience. And we had just so many great talks with my mom talking about when she was young and my dad talking about when he was young and the gardens that they had or the way my grandmother prepared stuff. And we just worked together. Mom made pesto out of, um, which is, by the way, this is the best pesto ever. And it's not basil. You make it out of carrot tops. If you haven't done that, you need to do it. It's totally awesome. It's a great use of your carrots. You don't waste anything, literally. And it was just such a throwback to just the way things used to be. And in the midst of all this chaos, and there is so much chaos, and we are focused so much on the negative. It's like we can't have a conversation anymore without talking about somebody dying, some horrible event, natural event, supposedly, whether it's a fire, an earthquake, a tornado, 
And, and we can't have a conversation anymore without having to bring up the death and destruction of our world. And yesterday, we went and didn't have any of that discussion at all. We just focused on the preparation of food. And I'm telling you, it's, I shut the phone off. I shut the computer off. And we just had an incredible day of just focusing on the way we're supposed to live very fundamentally. You know, today was a similar type of day because tomorrow morning I have to meet the butcher. I, I don't have the butchery set up yet. It's in, it's being built. So I'm having, I had my first two steers butchered by a small butchery, great guy that's kind of doing the same model. He's trying to do a, a farm, uh, farm to table model with his butchery. And he's about 30 miles south of me. So he butchered my first two steers. He's going to butcher all six of my steers this season. So he's he's got two of them ready tomorrow. So I had to run around today and get some coolers. And uh, I've got, I have to pick up like 700 pounds of meat. So I was like, oh, yep, better go over and get some coolers. So um, it'll fit in my freezer. But the new freezer isn't quite built yet. It's built. It's put together, but we don't have it running. It'll take me another week or two before all that's done. Probably a total of about like three days of work, but by the time I get to it, it's going to be two weeks. But all these things are very real. And, you know, as I was down to, today at the, in the town, in the small town here, there's a, there's a regional chain up in Oregon, and I think it goes up to Washington and down to Northern California, maybe over to Idaho, and it's called Bimart. And Bimart is kind of a, I'm trying to think of a comparison. It's a little bit of hardware, sports, um, I mean, outdoor sports stuff. It has uh, some, just some minimal grocery stuff, a lot of home stuff in there. It's it's a it's a great it's just a great little local store. You can find everything from some little hardware stuff that you might need for the house to you're going to need. They always have stocked up great amount of stuff for canning, and they've got hunting stuff, and they have paint, and they have some food sections, and they have jeans and stuff for the ranch. So it's kind of like a, probably like a tractor supply, sort of, but not really more like, a, I don't know. It's like a farm store basically without, and they even have some plants in season too. And it was the original membership store. You paid like $5 or $8 for your membership and then you pay it once and it's for the rest of your life. So my, I got my card when I was like 16 years old. I still have the same number. It's pretty neat. But I went down there and I picked up some coolers Got some great buys. They had some great specials today. And as I came out, as I was checking out, my neighbor across the street was there. His name is Paul. He's a great guy, a special forces veteran. And we start chatting. And, uh, you know, and this, I went, the experience that happens here is just so small town in the way we need to be. So I've got two big coolers I can barely carry them myself. And the Clerk comes up and says, well, can I help you carry one out? And Paul turns around and he goes, no, I'll, I'll carry it with Scott. We'll go out to his truck together. So Paul and I went out and we talked for like, you know, 30 minutes and just chatting about things. He just got back from Montana picking up a piece of equipment. And, and as we're going on, uh, just sharing what we're doing, and I just made the comment, like, I've got to run down tomorrow to the dump. And he's like, why are you going to the dump? I said, well, I've got garbage from the property. He goes, Scott, just run by my property. I've got a dump trailer. Just come up on the property, throw it in the back of the dump trailer. I, I go once a month, save yourself the trip, and I get a better deal than you are. And it's that sort of thing that the, the coming together, people helping each other that is so native in small towns, and we forget it so much in the places we are. And it's not like you work at it. 
just like I'm saying at the at the at the desk. I mean, typically at Biomart, you carry out your own stuff. But as I'm there, the woman's like, "You can't really carry those." And she says, "Well," and she just comes up, and says, "I'll carry one for you." And and that's just the nature of the way people are. I was getting some lemons today, at a, at the grocery store next door, and they were busy. And as I came up, I I told the guy, I said, "I can't remember if I have 16 or 18 lemons," and he says. Uh, and I'm using them, by the way, for some canning stuff. So that's why I don't usually overdose on lemons. But um, he says, oh, 16 fine. I said, you sure you don't want to count? He goes, no. And then he rings them up, and he rings them up as limes, which I know were about half the price. The lemons were like $1.20, and the limes were like $0.69 cents a piece. And he says, oops, I misrang. And I said, well, man, just tell me how much the difference is. I said, I'll just pay you. And he goes, nope. He says, our air. He says, we're busy. Just have a great day and happy to have you come in. You don't find that in the corporate mentality. You find that in small towns. And that's what I love so much about rural America. And it's also what the elites hate so much. It's why they hate people like in Lahaina that are happy with their communities that have humble homes other than the elites that have buy up the waterfront properties but they're, they're a community and they work together, they come together. And so we become, these small towns, these small communities become a major threat for these cabal. Now, the one thing we're seeing out of Lahaina, which I'm hoping everybody's paying attention to, is while they are trying to be the uber evil of the world, and I have some opinions on that, which I'll share in a minute, but the fact of the matter is, is that they're not breaking the will of the people because the communities have come together. They're not getting any help. I don't know if this is still an ongoing issue. There's literally no help. They've blacked out all, they blocked out all cell coverage out there. There's hardly any communication coming out of Lahaina right now. There's one truck in Lahaina in some remote, in one area that's offering Wi-Fi. They're doing nothing to promote Wi-Fi connectivity. The military has not been deployed to help, at least to, to our knowledge. And they're only 30 miles away. And there's major naval bases out there. The Navy has enough power on one ship to run a whole city. And they're not doing anything. So you really have to look at the breakdown of government here and the failure. For whatever the reason or motivations, it's not of the people. But what we're reminded of in our day is who we are. And so yesterday was just a great day of being with my parents, doing the things that most families used to do all of the time. It wasn't like just mom doing it. It's the family coming together when it comes time to harvest. And this isn't a massive harvest, but still we had to process 55 pounds of tomatoes. We had to process the carrots. We had to process the beets and everything was done together. We had a great time and it's, it just makes it for a memory. And that's what builds our strength in people and in communities. And it's just really an interesting thing to watch because we have moved so far from that, and yet we're starting to come back to it little by little, and that's what gives us the strength in all of this. So back to that prayer on Saturday morning. What I was led to to say, and, and I was, I think everybody who was in the prayer group Saturday morning, which I always say this, and I'm going to keep saying it, if you're not part of prayer Saturday morning, please join. It is It just is such a great experience. And for those of you that aren't in live chat that want to know how to get there, it's it's all on Podbean. We have a we have the, literally the best chat in the entire world on Podbean. 
because we have great people and because we built a space that found it's all based on people walking in faith. And it's just fantastic. And for those that like to cause problems, we usually pray for them. And if they continue to cause problems, we just ask them to leave because it's just not worth being here, that you're going to be here. And we don't have problems. That's why. And I truly believe a lot of that's the Holy Spirit. But we have this in our prayer, As you, for those of you that were there. I did this prayer for, for Lahaina and, and Maui. And the center of the prayer was healing the land and raising the dead. And I know that that runs against a lot of of the conventional pulpit, pew, church, dead stone walls, and I don't care. I mean, I think you know about me well enough now. I'm like, whatever. And I look at my own journey on this because a year ago, I wouldn't have been there. But a year ago, coming up soon, I left on my trip to go across country in an amazing trip to deliver Bibles and ended up at the Resistance Chicks um, event at Plymouth Rock and then came back to go to Glad Tidings Church on the way back after I went to Navajo Nation, went to Glad Tidings Church and met Dave, Pastor Dave Bryan for the first time. And in that meeting, he had, it was to prepare for me to go be the speaker at men's camp, which I'm going to be at speaker at again this year. And it was just a fab, fabulous men's camp, great people. And then he started telling me about Isaiah 61. And I was like, what is this? It's a deliverance conference. I'm like, hmm, okay. And I and God says, you need to go. So that just literally, and, I, and all of you should remember, when I came back, I was like, we're going to do deliverance here, whether you like it or not. And that's as God led. I mean, literally the door was thrown open and I stepped through. And the beautiful thing was to see, and I say this in such a, a, a great way, I have had so many amazing emails from people in the Bards community, things like, man, we've been praying that you would go this way. Man, we're so happy that you did this. Man, this has changed my life. Thank you. And that's us working as a community and and moving together in an amazing walk. So where where I go with this prayer with Lahaina and as I'm is when we look at the things that are involved in this attack on Lahaina, and I'm absolutely convinced that this is a large percentage of what we're witnessing across Canada, throughout the Northwest, and across the world, especially down in South Africa right now. They are on a full-out war against the people to destroy and drive people off the lands. And in the process, they're trying to promote the fear of this idea that there is global warming. But there's no such thing as global warming. It's a lie. We know that. But they continue to push that narrative and the people that are living in the cities truly, and I mean this, most of them believe it. And they believe it because they live in these bubbles. And we could say as liberals, it's not just liberals. I mean, this is, this is a, a, an effect of people that you are either a climate denier, which I proudly hold that badge, or you are a climate science worshiper. And that's where so many of these people are. And it's always centered on the same group of people. It begins with the intellectual elite that have become intellectually um, data smart and common sense ignorant would be the way to say that. And they have lost a lot of their cognitive abilities to think for themselves as they rely again and again what 
intelligence has been translated to by these people is that if you can recite a study, you can quote a, a book, you can you can make certain specific quotes by people, you establish yourself as educated and therefore you are smarter and have more command of what is truly true than anybody else, which creates an elite and it creates a separation in society all by design. And with this, they are then be, they are the ones that steer policy. And so it becomes this vicious circle of the, which really the, the easiest way to say it is it's the intellectually retarded start to drive policy toward which they aren't even able to recognize that it's an agenda of enslavement and bringing people down. The greatest threat, like I said, is the people that have stepped out of that. And even greater is the threat of those that say, God is greater than all things. Our faith is greater than all things. And through God and our faith and our understanding that we are the children of the Most High, that we can accomplish anything. So we, as we have had three or four months now of incredible testimonies and process of prayer on what began as our prayer Friday, bended knee, which is now prayer Saturday, coffee with Jesus, coffee and Jesus, which I like that, especially like my coffee in the morning before some Jesus, because then my time with Jesus gets to be like totally energized since it's usually a quad shot and a good quad shot in the morning. Got to have that quad shot before Jesus, I'm telling you. And it's caffeinated. I want to be clear about that. No decaf allowed in my house. None. If you come to Bard's Fest and you're looking for decaffeinated coffee, I swear you're going to have to leave the state of Kentucky because I don't even think Kentucky allows decaffeinated in that state. Duncan told me the other day, the other day he was driving along the road and there was a food, what he thought was a food truck. And as he drove up, he realized it wasn't a food truck. It was an ammo truck selling ammo on, on the side of the road. I'm like only in Kentucky. That's a great place. Anyway. So we, um, we, we literally are in such a great place as we walk with God. And that prayer challenged all of us, I would argue, but I think it opened us up in an amazing, amazing way to step into some new authorities and again, it's not that we're necessarily going to see the outcome immediately as we expect. Rather, we are going to see it's the fact that we're leaning into the authorities and saying to God, this is where we're asking of you, and this is what we believe is possible. And we believe it coming from a loving and forgiving heart. And as we went further with that, we said in the prayer was based that if this is if this is possible, but we're not in the right place to do it, show us what we need to do. We're walking at a place that isn't taught anymore. This is the type of faith that has been intentionally, in my opinion, buried, driven down, tried to suppress it, tried to make people under, think that the only thing the a walk with in Christianity is, is to be obedient and sit your tail in a pew. And that's where I come up with the ter term pew marshmallows, because they literally, that's the extent of faith. And if you're lucky, you, you know, you might get a bill paid once in a while. And if you're lucky, you might see some sort of neat thing happen. You're like, Oh, praise Jesus. And, but it's usually pretty self-driven and we don't see the miracles of the power of prayer. So let me, let me show you that 
first, before I finish the point with the Lahaina, I want to go into this idea of the power of prayer. Uh, I can't believe they called it this. Hurricane Hillary, which was speeding north into California. And it was at a Category 4, expected to raise to a Category 5. We rebuked it. We prayed on it. In fact, I know somebody who said to me, are you worried about the, and this was exactly my response. It was right after our prayer. They said, are you concerned about the storm heading north and will it hit Oregon? I said, absolutely not. We rebuked it and we, we, told, we rebuked it and said it won't come. It was an hour later this person sent me a, sent me a, a, a slide shot and with, a, with a laughing face and said it, it showed the tracking of the hurricane that had now veered inward and wasn't going to make it north. And he was with a laughing face. He said, you called it. I said, you know, my response is, no, we didn't call it. We took it to God. And it got even better because we said in our prayer that there was not going to be a storm, that w- a hurricane that would ravage the West Coast. We, we threw a hedge of protection around the communities. We proclaimed that we declared it to be disrupted and, and thrown apart, and it would there would be no storm that would affect. Well, by this morning, the storm has been downgraded to a tropical storm. So cause and effect. Did our prayers work? Well, I would argue yes. Now, were we the only ones that did it? I would hope not. That would be my next point. If if we were the only ones praying for that, then oh, help us, Lord, in this world. But the point is that I believe that the intention that we put forward in our prayers and bringing our case to the throne and proclaiming that we are this is our authority and we're saying it won't work, it worked. Now, we haven't yet accomplished the destruction of fires with rain yet, but we're going to work on that. But part of that, back to back to this thing of Lahaina, is we, we prayed on having the sacred tree restored. I can still see this prayer in my head, by the way. It's, it's literally phenomenal. We prayed to have the sacred tree of Lahaina restored. We prayed to have the land brought back to life in the glory of what it was in Hawaii and its history. And we prayed to have the dead bones rise, to, 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 to raise the dead, and to hear and see the children once again playing amongst, uh, amongst the trees and the foliage. And the, the question is, where do you go with that? Meaning, like individually, this is, not, this is a rhetorical question, but a, a personal one is, where do you sit with that? Do you think, are you one for ha- perhaps that thinks that that's, oh, that's stretching it, I don't know, um, I've not had a church ever teach that. I mean, all those things. All of those hesitations to me are what limit the power of our prayer. When we look at the magnitude of what we're dealing with, and this is where I've had a lot of reflection on this weekend, and we look at the power of this cabal, and they're, let's be clear, they have the technology to do things that we don't totally understand. But we do know that they had enough technology, whatever they were doing, to burn people in their cars and their car doors were still locked. That's insane. We have enough, they have enough technologies to burn these houses to the very ground and the bones that they're finding of people don't even have flesh on them. The heat and the intensity of that fire and how it was started and how it happened so quickly in certain areas doesn't make sense by the way that we see things other than to acknowledge that we can pull this apart and look at the various layers of potential technologies that we do know of and it's pretty evident that that was a, an intentional attack 
on a community. And in my opinion, a community that was attacked because they were being defiant to the, to their, to the persuasions of selling their land so they could be turned into a smart city prison. So they were punished. And so the question that I asked a lot in prayer, and, and it's the answer I think is obvious, but I did take it to Father. I'm like, you know, how do we fight this? How do we fight this? When we are looking around and, you know, I have cattle out here and, and I we fires north and how do we fight this? And the answer literally is you just did. And I sat back and I went, wow, okay, that's it. We have to start believing and understanding that part of this process that we're in, and we say this, most people say this fairly casually, but this is a much deeper statement than just the casual offhanded statement of, well, we have to have our faith in God. But it's not just that. We are the children of the Most High that have been given the authorities to steward this earth. God has always said he will fight for us, but we have to stand, and we have to stand with our armor, and we have to be willing to push into this enemy fearlessly. Everything that's going on in our world right now is about generating fear. And if it's not fear, it's generating pain and anger. So when we start harping, and I, I'm not saying don't pray in, in the in the sense of praying for those that have been lost. But we have to start thinking in terms of what they're doing to us. Every time that they strike at us, their victory becomes our dialogue. So as an example, we've talked a lot about the destruction of Lahaina. But unless we balance the destruction of Lahaina with the prayers to restore Lahaina, then the the only thing that sits there is what we're saying is Lahaina was destroyed and they won. And that constant barrage of negativity submits us ultimately to the idea that they somehow are greater than God. That's a lie. And that's one of the biggest lies going out there that we have to avoid falling into. See, we have the authorities. And if you aren't willing to step in and say, I believe I can raise the dead without going, I don't know if that's legal in heaven. It's in the Bible. If, if we go in here and say, well, we can heal the sick, and someone says, yeah, but I have this going on with me. That's like what Jesus said in, when he said to the old man, pick up your crate and walk. He, he doesn't care about the story. He's, we're asking the question. The question's very simple. Do you want to be healed? Do you want to stop these fires? Do you want to win this war? Do you want to heal the land? Do you want to restore the sacred tree in Lahaina? Do you want to see the forests of the old growth of the Umpqua Valley restored? Do you want to see these beautiful forests in Canada restored? If the answer is anything less than yes, then I would suggest you probably check in with a psychiatrist somewhere or join the cabal. That might be a good idea too. But the fact of the matter is that if we aren't willing to say yes and then focus our prayers into God because we know God will fight for us and understand that this enemy is doing everything it can within its power to break us. But think about that for a minute. They're doing everything within their power to break us and yet we are not yet broken. And we never will break 
And no matter how bad things get, we know that we are children of the Most High and our mission here is not complete. I believe that we can restore the land as we can heal the people. And as we can see the miracles, it's just a matter of scale. But you know, my dad used to tell me something when I, before I started my business, and I worked for him for a long time, and he said, you know, son, he said, here's the thing about jobs. He said, the difference between a $200 job, a $20,000 job, and a $200,000 job is just zeros, because all of the mechanics of those jobs are exactly the same. And he used to say, if you want to be a good contractor, you can be an amazing contractor if you did nothing but bathrooms. I said, well, explain that to me. He said, because in a bathroom, it doesn't matter whether your bathroom remodel is $1,000 or your bathroom remodel is an elegant $100,000 bathroom. The fact of the matter is that every piece of a, of, a re, of a project that you will do on a whole house will occur in the bathroom. You will have plumbing, you will have electrical, you will have framing, you will have finish. You'll have painting. You'll have all of these things. You'll have tile work or, or flooring work or counter work. You'll have cabinetry. All of these things have you. Often you have a window, sometimes a skylight. So you're going to end up with some roofing issues. Everything will occur within the space of a bathroom that you will do on a major job. So if you become a master, a professional bathroom remodeler, and that's all you did, you would be able to build a beautiful house. And it doesn't matter whether that remodel is you're doing or that project you're doing is $1,000 or $200,000 or $2 million. It's just a matter of zeros because the pieces of it are all the same. Well, I think that's this, I would argue this is exactly the same as prayer. If we understand that we can heal somebody of cancer and we understand that we can heal somebody of um, anything, no matter, cancer, uh, paralysis, we've done that recently. Some young girl who's on a, a life support that's now, you know, her O2 levels are up. I mean, if we're going to be doing that, then why can't we do greater than he? The only question is if we're willing to step past all the negative framing that we've been programmed with, every one of us has. Every one of us has been programmed to believe we can't. This whole world is based on a negative. It's an inverted world. Children learn no before they learn yes. And that's a reflection of the parents that believe no before they believe yes. In our world, we have to, to, in order to win this fight, we have to lead with yes, and we have to lead with I can. And when we take that attitude in our prayers, and we're praying into that, and we understand that there's a, there is a rule here, it is we are praying into these things for the betterment of kingdom, and we're praying into them not with vengeance, but with a loving, forgiving heart. Because God's going to take care of the justice part. And we have to have that trust in him. And that's the next step of this. So the question is, can we have trust in Father if we pray for, for example, for Lahaina, the restoration of the sacred tree, the restoration of the lands back to the beauty of it was of the Hawaiian island itself and the raising of the dead of the children. If we can pray into that, 
Are we praying into that with a loving and forgiving heart, trusting in Father to deliver the justice that kingdom would want? And that's not our bias. We can be, but see what they do is they pound us with the negative so that we get angry and we hate them for it. In fact, we should be pitting them and hope that they come to Jesus for a very simple reason. Because in the end of the day, a, a, a horror that they'd brought on Lahaina is not going to bode well in heaven. And for the sake of their souls, I truly pray that they have the courage to admit their error and to step into a place of accepting Christ and seeking forgiveness because otherwise they are damned to hell. And while many will say they deserve it, don't walk that way. And I'm being blunt. We don't make the rules of judgment. Father does, unless he directs our hand. And that's the difference between the David, the Joshua, the Gideon. They abided by his way. They submitted to his will. And he guided their hand and justice was delivered. But our hearts have to be pure and loyal to him. And when we do that, I'm telling you, I don't think there's anything that we see in the world right now that cannot be fixed or restored. And that includes children that have been mutilated by these surgeries. These doctors will have to face their time before the throne. Let us pray when we pray for the children to restore them. When we talk about our prayers and we talk about, and we get this, and you've heard me correct this in our prayer sessions, is when people will say, I just want somebody to, to not have pain. I'm not satisfied with that. I want somebody to be healed. I, I just want somebody just to, I, there, when I get another prayer, for example, it would be somebody is, they're, they're at their last days. We just don't want them to suffer in their last days. I'm not willing to accept that. I'm willing to say to God, this is what we want. We want this person healed by the authorities given to us. And we declare this in the name of Jesus. Now, Father, if that is not your will, then we understand. But that's not what we're asking. And there's nothing wrong with asking for the greatness of what the Father can do. We, are, we have the greatest power around us. And part of this walk, and I think this is where people get somewhat confused, is they're like, well, how come, and I hear this a lot, how come God doesn't fix it? Did you ask? Yeah, yeah, but it's, it's, he made this world, exactly, and he gave us stewardship of it. So if we're only going to go here, if we go out here and someone says, for example, you can have any car on the lot, and your whole life you've wanted a Jeep Rubicon, and there's a Jeep Rubicon sitting there, and you walk up and you go, oh, I can't afford that. I'll choose, I'll choose the Chevy Impala. That's your problem. You, you suck <laughs> because you didn't take the opportunity. You were given the opportunity to have any, any vehicle on the lot. So choose the vehicle you want in this example. So if we have been told we have authority over evil, we can step on snakes and scorpions, we, and our commissions are to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ, to heal the sick and broken, to cast out demons, to raise the dead, and to do greater works than he, then 
what is our limitation? I don't see any in there. Peter steps out of the boat, puts his eyes on Jesus and walks on water. You hear people talk now, they'll tell you only Jesus can walk on water. It's like, well, that's funny because Peter did. And then there'll be probably some retort like this. Yeah, but Peter, he was an apostle. And he wasn't Jesus. The dude was part of Jesus's team. I got it, but he steps out of the boat and he's walking on water. Yeah, but Jesus, Jesus made it happen. Okay. His eyes were on Jesus until he looks down at his feet and then the dude sinks into the ocean. Let's be clear. Eyes on Jesus. He has complete and total faith in what he sees his Lord and, and King doing, and he walks on water. Hmm. That's pretty amazing. What's that tell you? All things are possible. We have to have the belief and the faith without any hesitation in our heart. And when we bring that sort of commitment and that sort of passion of love, and it's love, it's all love. This is a guy you're talking to that I've said it many times. I'd be more than happy at times to pick up my sword literally and go deal with some of these demons. And I'm talking about the demons in the flesh. But the more that I, and deeper that we go into this, the greatest power that we have is so powerful is this power of love, which is so underrated in English in the word love. The power that we have, because love has always ended up being corporal, physical, kissing, loving, whatever. It's, it's That's like, are you kidding me? It's like seeing you went to the movies and you got a half a bag of popcorn. You missed the whole thing. You could have gotten the whole bucket with a refillable bucket and extra butter and watched the great film, and that would be what we're talking about. But instead, you chose to have the little tiny bag that is like costs you just about as much as a bucket. It's not refillable, and you get no butter with it. That's what we're talking about here, the difference. We literally have to step into our authorities and understand that we are the children of the Most High that we have been given these authorities and now it is time more than ever that when we pray, we pray with that focus of belief, our true faith to know that, Father, we come to you with a loving and forgiving heart knowing that we don't even have to ask it because he's told us, vengeance is mine. And so when we do that, there is no limit to what we can do. And I truly mean that. With the faith of a mustard seed, you can move a mountain from here to there. I'm like, cool, sounds like a great thing. I'm ready to do it. How about this? With the faith of a mustard seed, we will restore Lahaina, bring the sacred tree back, and have the children playing there once again. With the faith of a mustard seed, we are going to stop these fires in Canada, and we're going to restore those forests to the beauty and the oldness of they were. With the faith of a mustard seed, that fire that ravaged my valley down here in Umpqua Valley, those old growth will come back, and I'm not going to have to wait 500 years. And that's the other thing is by this concept of time and trying to tell us through science about what is possible, we have been convinced to believe. And we've been convinced that this can't happen in our lifetime. And that's garbage. Because that's the work of the devil. Our Father can make anything happen. What he needs from us is the absolute love and forgiveness of our heart, the faith in him, and the true command of the authorities which he gave, gave us, and put that, that cocktail together, 
And Patriots, you want to talk about a storm? There you have it. And that's what we need to bring. Let's pray. Father, we're just very humbled tonight. And for myself, and just speaking of myself, and I hope others have had the same experience, my weekends of time to reflect and to be with you and to really reflect on the, the glory and love of what we have in kingdom is truly amazing. And we're just deeply humbled in these moments. And just the prayer tonight begins with just a hope and a, and a prayer of a prayer of love. That no matter where anybody is right now, Father, and there's a lot of different craziness going on. People are grinding about various topics, angry about one thing, trying to take sides and fights here, trying to get sides and fights there, trying to point their finger at one thing, point their finger another at another. And at the end of the day, Father, we have to work. We have to be released from the anger and the vengeance and the hatred and the division and just put our eyes on Jesus. So, Father, tonight my prayer and everyone that joins in is a prayer that just says, show us the glory of Christ. And I pray that every single person will have a moment now in this coming week, whether in dream or in, in, in the daylight, to have an experience, a moment that reveals the glory of our King and Savior, Jesus. Father, I truly mean this, and I declare this with the authorities given to me, and, and Jesus, I, I put this before you with the authorities that you've even said that we have. This prayer tonight is it to make your face known to every believer out there, to remind every one of us of the power of love. Not the weak little love, not this garbage that comes out of LGBTQ, not this, this soybean-driven whatever it is, the authority of kingdom love, the mightiness of what that is, the power to heal, the power, the limitless power to heal, the limitless power of authority that love gives us over all of this to understand the magnitude of what it is to wield the sword of the Spirit. And Jesus, I'm asking this not to happen in, you know, over this next year. I'm asking that this happens through these next few days, that every person hearing this prayer has an experience with you, a moment to see your face, a moment to be touched by your hand, a moment to experience the incredible magnificence of you and all that you are, the glory and, and beauty of the person that you are that becomes part of us. And in so doing, to remind us and to inspire us into the mightiness and power of love. And more than that, as that touches us, that all the things that are, we're hanging on to, all of this baggage, all of these chains that we choose to put around us, that they're broken and we're set free. And in the process of being set free, our eyes not only just lock on you, we embellish all that that is in our lives and are transformed to a higher level of understanding and executing love in this world. Those things are declared with the authorities given to us humbly before the throne. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, yeah. I think we can change the world. 
I have no doubt about it. And I think this is my personal opinion after I went through this over and over. And I, I've gone through a lot of articles. I've gone through a lot of research this weekend. And it just struck me. It's like, if we don't approach this fight this way, we might you might as well sell your property and give it to the cabal and go get a chip and start playing with, with the CBDC and the enslavement money. Because we can't defeat them head to head with their technologies. But the only reason they have technologies is it's part of their black magic illusions to make us believe that they are greater than he. Our God, the one God, the true God, the God of hosts is greater than all. And we have to step into that and command that authority in our lives, embrace it, and let go of all of this other influences trying to influence us otherwise. And as it will take a faith of a mustard seed to move a mountain from here to there, arguably a faith of a, a measure of disbelief the size of a mustard seed will keep the mountain right there. Get rid of that doubt. Step into the glory of kingdom. And let's move some mountains. Patriots, keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time and this place for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tomorrow for Bended Knee. Until then or until the next time. God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now.
chasing mountains I can't climb. Holding out for heroes in the night. I find myself here in the dark. We learn to fight and learn who we are. But I am raised up to face the stars. Sometimes it takes all you.